we made it back to the United States for this week's episode of the Greatest Games Podcast, and we're going to New Jersey for the great Rob Karsich of Westwood High School. He's the new coach up there in New Jersey at Westwood. He tells some unbelievable stories. What an entertaining podcast guest is Coach Rob Karsich. You'll enjoy this one, but before we get into the studio, be sure to check out teachhoops.com slash 816basketball for incredible coaching resources from the great Steve Collins. Again, teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. Basketball season is here, y'all. Get to teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. Brush up on your skills. Grow your knowledge of the game at teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. I just said it four times. And the great Billy Kegler is absolutely rolling the Competitive Mindset Podcast. He takes a deep dive every week with his guest on the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Get it wherever you get your podcast and on social media at Competitive Pod. And let's head on into the studio for this week's episode of The Greatest Games. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and even around the globe and have them tell us about their greatest games. Once again, it can be their time as a player, a coach, a head coach, an assistant coach, a college coach, a high school coach, just whatever game they feel is their greatest. That's right, Chris de Blasio. We have come back on this side of the pond. We took a trip to Ireland and then tri- a down tr- a down south to Argentina slash Venezuela. And some would say that this this uh, state in the Union is also a foreign country. It was for me the first time I ever visited. But we are actually back in the United States of America going to New Jersey for today's episode. And I tell you what, we we get better and better you know, a little peek behind the curtain again, when we, when we book our guests, they send in information to us and this guest today, oh my goodness, this is an absolute beautiful website. I'm going to be up all night reading more and more about our guest, but he has been a, a state coach of the year, a county coach of the year. He is now the head coach at Westwood High School in New Jersey, Rob Carsich. Welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, but Man, I'm not sure I can live up to all those guys from Venezuela and across the pond and everything else. I thought this was a local thing. I, I don't think I'd ever agree to it if uh, I was going to be compared to everybody across the, the whole world. My goodness, <laughs> we, we've had we've had we've had guests from Canada and uh, New Zealand as well here. So, jeez, Louise, what, I what, I don't belong here. You might as well just hang up right now. All right. <laughs> We'll get someone and we told you, we, we, we mentioned some things in the pre-show chatter. We've had legends like Jeff Jasper on, who you right. obviously yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm in way over my head right here. <laughs> Jeff Jasper and, and all those other guys you're mentioning. You sure you got the right Carsage guy? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we'd go for the other Carsage, but I'm not sure he knows how to use a computer. <laughs> am I right, though? Come on. That, that is that is very, very barely using the phone i, I am on a, a group text with him and yes that is correct <laughs> brian you forgot to mention rob is the undefeated head coach of westwood high school currently he <laughs> certainly is undefeated <laughs> that is that is true uh true words have never been spoken there you know he's excited <laughs> to 
to get started with uh, some high school hoops there in year number one at Westwood. That's uh, that's going to be great. Going to be great. Well, Coach, why don't you just kind of briefly take our listeners through your resume and kind of different places, different stops you've had in the in your coaching journey. Uh, well, uh, I, I started at, at Palisades Park, uh, right over the bridge from New York City in New Jersey. Um, my high school football coach, basketball baseball coach, uh, became the football coach over there, gave me an in, and I started as a baseball coach. Uh, and then my my next job was as this is when I was still in college. I was I was at Pace University and started coaching then. And, uh, you know, that that's really when I decided, hey, I, I kind of like this coaching thing. And uh, I went from a math major to a liberal studies major just so I could get enough credits and stuff to, to, uh, to start teaching. So I, was, I coached at Westwood. You know, it was <laughs> my first ever basketball job was as a volunteer freshman assistant at Westwood. And now it's got to be like 30 years later. Here I am as the head coach. So talk about things coming first full circle. That's uh, that's a little crazy. So coach, you, you talk about starting out as a, as a volunteer and that is crazy. I love the, I love stories like that. that come full circle from a, uh, a volunteer assistant to being a head coach, but Talk about that experience as a volunteer assistant. You know, we have a lot of coaches, obviously, now, as you know, around the world that are listening to this, this podcast. So talk about the value of, and maybe it wasn't valuable, but I have a feeling that it was valuable to be a volunteer assistant coach, just trying to cut your teeth, learning how to coach. What was that experience like? That's exactly it. You, know, you walk in there, you have no idea what you're doing. Um, you know, and, and you look, I was only 21 and these kids are 17 and, you know, you kind of look back when you were 17, all those young coaches, you're trying to take advantage of them. And, and all you want to do is not be the guy that gets taken advantage of as, as a young coach, you know, um, that, that was really, <laughs> I remember that was my main goal. Like, nope, you're not going to get the best of me here. You know, a little 14 year old kid. Um, and that was it. Just, you know, you're learning from your, your, you're paid coach. You're trying to learn what, what to do, what not to do. And, you know, meeting afterwards with your former head coach and just getting some great conversations. You're just, you're on the other side now. So you got to make sure you just take everything in and, uh, and hopefully, you know, that's, that's really, hopefully that's what I did. Yeah. We've, I even remember some former players uh, coming back to me and being like, boy, now I know what you were talking about. <laughs> even just even just a couple of years out, you know, they say that. Like, oh, I get it now. You're like, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't oh, that, just that, making it up. <laughs> it's absolutely that's uh, same thing with me. Yeah, you got a couple of kids come with you, and 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 they they're just wide eyed and bushy tails. They say, and like, whoa, I had no idea. Like everything you're saying really is true now. Like, yeah, the goal is for you to realize it when you're a senior, not you know when you're a sophomore in college. Like, if we right. can get yeah, you to well, realize it, now that that's that's the trick. You know, get, get them to understand while they're still playing for you. So if you can do that, I think you're in. <laughs> well, Coach, on your resume here, uh, you've also coached uh, a bunch of other sports. You've coached football and baseball. Uh, what, do you, what did you like or do you like about coaching football and baseball? Obviously, basketball is your, your main sport here, but you've had plenty of experience with those other two sports. Tell us about coaching those other two sports and what you like about it. You know what it is? It's just coaching. Um that's just, it's, it's in my blood. It's just, it's just what I, I found a passion. You know, I just, you found it and then uh, you just kind of go with it and it doesn't really matter what sport it is or what month it is or, or what level it is. It's, 
it's still just coaching. Um, you know, trying to get everybody on the same page, get everybody doing the right thing. And your goal is the same, whether it's football, basketball, or baseball, you're trying to get them to be the best version of themselves. You know, and, and my thing is you're never trying to win because if, if your goal is winning, you, you're probably not going to do it. Your goal is to get everybody on the same page, get everybody doing the right thing. And winning is a, is something that, that happens after that, you know, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Brian, I'm going to interrupt here, but I'm going to point out a, a former guest of ours and a loyal listener and good friend of ours, Matt Park, who we had, I think, episode 25, uh, told me that same thing, Rob, when I, when I started coaching. He's a, he's a friend and a mentor, and, and he said to me, if, if you're coaching for wins, you're never going to be satisfied because you're never going to win all the games. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, he said, nobody's ever won all the games. So if that's your <laughs> ultimate goal, then you're always going to be – you know, you, you're never going to feel like you accomplish anything because you're never going to win them all. Well, you know, the old saying, you, you strive for perfection and you settle for excellence. You know, like, and you know, you, that that's the whole thing is you, you strive to win every single game. And there's going to be games where, all right, they're better than you. Or when you didn't play your best, you, your kids learn from it and go on. And and again, we're, we're, we're only coaching high school basketball. When we're only, that's all we're doing. We're not coaching the pros where it's a million dollars. So we still have lessons to, to teach these kids. You know, I, I don't think it's uh, it, it was Phil Jackson's job to teach Michael Jordan a lesson. It was, it was to get him to win and, and he did his job. It's my job to teach these kids some lessons and try to get them to, you know, be good dads, be good, good husbands, be good, you know, good people in society, you know? So it really, it does turn, it, it does turn to that. Not that you really focus on that as a coach because you're always worried about the X's and O's and what's going on, but you know the, the ultimate goal is not the same as a as an NBA coach or even a even a college coach. It's just you know I, I found my niche, I stayed with it, and I just love doing it. You know, really, it's just it, it is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm a high school coach at heart, and I'm not going to stop. This is where I'm going to be. I can hear it in your voice, Coach, and <laughs> I'm gonna I want to dig a little deeper on that and ask you how. How do you teach your kids how to be, like you mentioned, great husbands, great fathers as they grow up? Uh, you know, and maybe even some examples if you have a kid's late to practice or if he misses class. Like what, what is it like to play for you and how do you teach those skills to kids? Yeah, you know what? I, I had this on my, my last uh, interview and my honest answer was I really have no idea. Um, it just comes from experience and it comes from the background of the kids the background of the your 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 relationship with the kids it's just there's so many different factors that come into decision making you know if like i give an, an example is when joey castro who's one of the best players i ever had uh forgot his warm-up jersey at west orange and it was his senior year he had started for three years and I had sat kids before for not having it. And I really didn't want to sit them. So I'm sitting there on the bus figuring out, trying to figure out something I could do or say. And, you know, and I was, I was a young coach at the time. I'm, I was 30. I, I don't know how old I was, but I'm coming down. And finally, just as we pulled up, I'm like, all right, I figured it out. And we, before we get off the bus, I said, all right, guys, listen, Joey forgot his jacket. He's built up enough. In three years, he's earned his one shot, okay? He's got one oops. 
all you guys have have gotten an oops. He's got his. Let's go win a game. And he came out, and uh, you know, we beat West Orange in a tight game. And after the game, he's like, am I forgiven? <laughs> yeah, Joe, you're forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but two weeks later, if some sophomore had forgotten that same jacket, he's sitting that day. You know, so it, it's it's and like like the popular saying now is everyone is is treated fairly, but no one's treated equally. So I, I think I've kind of done that over the years. Coach, I, I love that. And I love what you mentioned to the very early in that answer about the relationship with the kid and keeping that out in front, keeping the sincere interest in the kid and the kid's best interest at heart then making the decision from there, not just like you say, keeping everybody equal, you know, just, it's just, right. you got to sit, you got to sit. Well, you know, like you say, this kid has been a great kid for you. And uh, I, yeah. I love that. It's that relationship piece so much. I think that's so key. I, I it's so true. There's a background to everything and, you know, everyone's got their own story and everyone has, you know, there's, and some things are reasons and, and not excuses. So, you know, that's one of the things I've learned as a coach, you know, because I, me at 51 right now is not me at 27. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, how do you, that's interesting. How do you think, what do you think is different about you at 51 at 27 as a coach? And I, I remember uh, my very first game ever um, as a head coach. It was at Powell Park and our first game was against Richfield. And I, I was, a thousand percent sure my team was ready and we were ready. I had them ready. We, we went through our scrimmages. We did great. And I gave a great speech beforehand and here we go. I'm O and O as a head coach and we are going to beat our rival. And we lost by 27. So that Friday night, <laughs> I wasn't married yet. I was, I was my, my fiance, I go to bed and I'm basically crying in bed going, I don't know what I'm doing. I really thought we were going to win. And we we got crushed. My first year, we were three and eighteen. Uh, you know, you got to go back to the drawing board and try to figure out what was what. You know, so it was uh, it's just a, a phenomenal learning experience. Uh, suspending these kids for this, this kid for that, and going through it, and I just you just constantly learn. You know, and I'm not sure how much better we would have been at three and eighteen year right now at 51, you know, I, I, and I, I always wanted to make sure, cause I was always, I was never coached by a rookie uh, in high school. I was always coached by older guys and I wanted to try to make sure that my guys weren't being shortchanged by being coached by a rookie. Um, so, you know, we were three and 18 that year. And the next year we came back, we worked hard in the off season. Next year we came back, we were 16 and nine. We ended up at like the three seed in the state. So, you know, I don't think they got shortchanged. I think we just, you know, we ran into a real, real, real good Glenrock team that beat us in the States. So, and Coach, from the end of that game, you lose by 27 and said you're <laughs> home and crying in bed at night. You made a stop somewhere. Where did you stop? I mean, let's – the crow's nest, where did we stop? The uh, – you know, <laughs> we, we definitely <laughs> – we, we, we did make a stop. Um, <laughs> I wanted, wanted – with one of the guys who – who helped my coaching career more than anybody is uh, Mark Sieslak. He's, he's a oh, okay. well, I know his brother, Ken from Teaneck. Yeah. Yeah. Now Mark, Mark is a pal park, absolute legend. Um, and he's just, you know, he's now the coach at St. Joe's baseball. 
they won the triple crown number number one team in uh, New Jersey. You know, I, I thought I did well winning Passaic County in a league and finishing 18 and five. And I'm on the phone with him all the time. He's like, Hey, Bob, 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 Bob. He's the only one that calls me Bob in the world. And he won Bergen County, won the section, won the state. I'm like, all right, you're still outshining me you know, 30 years later. <laughs> so and then Mark Seaslack's that one of the answers to a great tribute, great Bergen County tribute question. I believe he's one of only three players to be first team all county in three different sports. In all three sports. Yep. Uh, he's he's the best athlete I've ever seen alive. Um, and that that was that held true until I saw Jab- Jabril Peppers live. Okay. All um, right. Not a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> he he was amazing. The first time I ever met him, I was uh, I was in a weight room spotting for a kid benching. It was 185 on the bar. Who's this, Jabril or, or Mark? No, this is Mark Cizlak. So I'm, I'm okay. 21, 22, and I'm in the Powell Park weight room, and this guy comes in who is just a mass of muscle. and goes, hey, excuse me, let me get in there for just one second. Just got to loosen up. I'm going to go play some basketball. Okay. He goes in, there's 185 on the bar. This is legit. And he just curls it like 15 times. He's like, ah, I just had to loosen up. I'm going to go play some hoops. So my jaw drops, my eyes open. I'm like, who is this guy? And nobody in the weight room bats an eye. I'm like, who is that? They're like, oh, that, that's his life. That's coach. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, he's that, yeah, he's that strong. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he not how strong he was, how smart he was in every sport. Uh, he and I coached uh, freshman football together. I was his JV girls basketball coach when he was a head coach. Uh, baseball, he was the assistant varsity coach and I was a freshman coach. And then the JV coach, I just in every sport, he's he's yeah. mentored me more than anybody else. Now, I saw Brian do that same thing with a five pound dumbbell years ago. Yes. Throw it 15 times. Absolutely punish a five. Uh, I think it might have been a three, but yeah, I'll, I'll take the five. That's fine. Um, Coach, before we get to the greatest games, I want to go back a little bit to your answer between a 27 year old coach and a 51 year old coach. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm 42. I'm, I'm an athletic director down in South Carolina now. I coached for, I don't know, 16 years or something like that. I, I lost count. Um, but for me, it was around year, I'll call it nine, that I finally figured – I didn't have it figured out, but I went from an absolute raving lunatic on the sidelines to, <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm going to just coach. I'm going to not get on the officials. I'm going to coach my kids. I'm going to build better relationships with them and all of that stuff. Um, so it took me nine years. We had episode 132, J.P. Nurbin. Um, it took him about six years. Um, I don't really know exactly what changed for me, but what, as you've changed from year age 27 to 51, was there one just moment that you're like, okay, I'm giving up the old way and I'm moving to the new way. Or was it just a, a slow progression one day at a time over time to get where you are now? It, you know, what, what's funny is if you ask me, I'm the same. But if you ask kids who I've coached 15 years ago, the coach, what happened? You, you calm down. And, and I said, no, my, my, I, what I, I told you 20 years ago, my goal was not to yell during the game. I guess you guys are just that bad. I had to yell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, there isn't one thing that I could put my, my foot on uh, or my finger on. I, I just, 
and that, like, like even when you're young, you don't want to yell. You know, like you know, you're coaching and you're coaching them hard, and in the games, your goal is really to never have to yell at them. And I, I maybe I'm better in practice now. I maybe at, at you know at an older age where they're doing the things like okay, and you can kind of see what they're doing wrong, and maybe I you understand it in a deep at a deeper level. Um, I, but I, I don't know. I, I still. I still kind of get after it a little bit. You know, you, you kind of yell and you see stars. We've all been there. Um, and you get to the top of your lungs, but you just hopefully it doesn't get there as often. And, you know, I, I just I, I think I do a better job communicating and practice um, what I exactly what I want. That, that's really what I would say. It's probably I'm not better. The kids aren't different. Um, but I, I think. Excuse me. I just I think we, we just do a better job as we get older communicating to them exactly what we want them to do. I love that answer. I always wonder coaches that are yelling and talking the entire game. I'm like, what did you do in practice for three days? Right. And like, <laughs> did you instruct them at all then? <laughs> and you know I mean, what happened, coach? I think it's when you got a nice calming influence like Coach Hallsworth as your JV coach, as your assistant coach. <laughs> you know, calm guy, doesn't like, yell. <laughs> Listen, talk about yelling and not like whatnot. I, I, I still, one of the most vivid memories I have is my third year at Passaic Valley when after we won the section. So I was in 2007. So I, I was only 30. So I was not an old coach by any means. Um, and we were in the state semifinals and we had 12 points at halftime. We're at East Orange in front of, it's a packed house, 4,000 people. We have 12 points at halftime. Uh, Colonia is having their way with us. They're kicking the living poop out of us. And we go in at halftime, and we're in game 29 at this point. So I say to the kids, all right, listen, guys, we're not. it's only 24 to 12. We've only given up 24, but we've only scored 12. <laughs> so I, I'm talking to them, saying whatever I have to say. So now eventually we get into double overtime. So now it's double overtime in front of a packed house. Everyone's going crazy. And I'm on a knee in front of them going into the double overtime. And we kind of look over to my left and the other coach is going crazy. He is flipping out, going crazy. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, hmm. so before I say anything, one of my players, John Coral, looks over and goes to Joey Castro and goes, Joe. I got four minutes left, man. We got to win it here. That's it. And Joey looks at me. He's like, all right, guys, I got you. Give me four minutes. We got this. So I'm sitting here, and I had a million things I was going to say, and I knew everything I was going to say. And those two things happened, and I looked. I go, all right, are we in the two, three, or are we going to press? They're like, no, no, coach, two, three, we can't press. Now. Okay. I'm like, on offense, he's, um, we're going to – he's like, I got it. I'm like, Okay. We all know what we're doing on offense. We all know what we're doing on defense. Yeah. Like, I look, they're still yelling at each other. Hey, let, let's go win a game. And that was it. Like, more is just less. And I, I, I learned that again, I learned that from CZAC, but in that moment, like I, I still go back to that as a as a 37-year-old coach, you know, just going, stop. Like, just let them do, they know what you're doing. You did enough. In practice, you know, they were all they were all seniors or juniors who had been with me for two or three years, and there was no mystery about what was going to be done. There's no reason to yell. 
let's just go win a game. And somehow we, we pulled it out. <laughs> well, there you go. We haven't even asked you about the greatest game yet, but you just definitely described one of them. And that theme, Brian, again, that's a theme. I remember the first time, I believe the first time he came up was with Paul Pallick, who's the head coach of Passaic now, when he was coaching at Clifton. He talked about that going into an overtime. And he, he was talking with his assistants, and he goes to talk in the huddle, and one of his players just stepped in the huddle and said, all right, we're going to do this, this, and this. Let's go win this in overtime. And he was kind of like, all right, well, go ahead, fellas. Like, you know, that that, that time when the players take that ownership and – and I think and that's a credit to the coach, too, I think, at that point, that, you know, you've gotten across all those lessons, all those things that they looked at each other and said, all right, let's go win this game. And you didn't have to say anything. I, I, yes, I, I agree with that. And, you know, more and more. And, you know, it's funny when, like this year with baseball, uh, the kid Phil Park, I'm sure you, you've heard about him being in mm. Bergen County. And he's a first-team all-county basketball player. He's a first-team all-county baseball player. And I knew him very well. And the very first time I tried to make a, a mound visit in a scrimmage, he just shook his head no real quick. I'm like, hmm, okay. So I stopped and came back. And after the inning, I go, what was that about? He goes, I don't like when people I don't visit ever. Oh, okay. <laughs> so guess how many mound visits I made to him all season? Zero. Zero. And he's third team all state. Uh, his only loss was after he pulled a, a groin in the States against Bergenfield. He let up like something like eight earned runs all season. So, and I did not make one mountain visit. I'd stand up and look and like shrug my shoulders. He'd like, I'm, I got it. It's like, just like that. Like, you know, other guys who are more controlling would look at that and say, I, to me, you didn't do your job. And where me is I'm, he's fine. Was he, what am I going to say? He knows what he's doing. He knows, you know, we talked about the game plan before the game. He knows pitch this kid outside, pitch this kid inside. Just go do it. Go ahead. You know, the catcher knows what to do. Like, all right, let's go get him. See, so see, that's that's the thing I'm talking about too. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting back to my question earlier. Like you as a coach, like there there are tons of coaches that are around the country would have heard a kid say, Don't come visit me on the mound. And the coach would have been like, yeah, okay, I hear you. Screw you. I'm coming to you whenever I want to. Yeah. But you had it in you to not just get in the essentially a pissing contest with a kid and say, <laughs> all right, like you say, he knows the game plan. And I love baseball, too. I love baseball fans that are back there in the, in the bleachers. Throw strikes. Hit the ball. Like, oh, that's what they're supposed to do. Oh, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, he knew what he was supposed to do. So why are you – and he told you how to coach him. And I, I, I love that. I love that a lot, Coach. You know, it uh, comes down to uh, one of the sayings that I have, and it, it carried over to baseball, is the first word on the board. Where when I got when I got hired at Wayne Hills, it was in October, so I didn't meet the kids till November, and the season started like three weeks later. So when I met them, uh, they had never met me before. I, I knew one kid's name because he was a starter from the year before. It was Jake Valli. I didn't know anybody else on the team. There was about 15 kids in the room. I had no idea who they were. I couldn't recognize any of them. Couldn't pull them out of a hat. So the, the AD introduced me, and I turned around, said, hello, fellas, how you doing? And I wrote the word trust on the board. I said, guys, you don't know me. I don't know you but this is going to be the most important thing. I am going to trust 
you. You tell me something hurts. You tell me you can't do this. You tell me you don't understand. I'm going to trust you telling me the truth. You need to trust that I'm giving you the right information. You're not, you may not agree with me. You may not be 100% in. Your parents are definitely not going to agree with me. You have to trust. First word on the board is trust. So I did the same thing with baseball. And, and that comes through with, you know, and Phil was a, was, was a dual sport player. So he knew that that word meant a lot to me. So I, that's what I, I trusted him. So, okay, you tell me you never want to visit. I'm going to trust you not to visit. Well, Brian, we've been through the litany of, of Bergen and a little bit of Passaic County here. And you know, I'm always going to come up with a trivia question for you. If you Talk ask about me a trivia, trivia question about New Jersey, uh, okay, go, go for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, I'll go give you, a, you know what? I'll give you an option. An option. So coach talked about his time coaching at Palisades Park and now his time coaching at Wayne Hills. We have interviewed coaches from both those places. Can you give me either one? Oh, goodness. Uh, I, was, I, I wish I could tell you the AD at Wayne Hills because they came down and played football against us three or four years ago, and I can't remember him. He was a great guy. Uh, well, I'll say this. We interviewed a coach who was at Wayne Hills and is now back at Wayne Hills, but he was not at Wayne Hills when we interviewed him. That wasn't Sabula, was it? No, no. Nope. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not kidding. Get to the Bronx. G, I think, right? Get, Get to the, the G. Yeah. Kevin Grimes, yeah. Kevin Grimes was at Demarest, and we interviewed John Wiseman from Palisades Park. That's right. Yeah, both great guests of the <laughs> Games podcast. Good job, Chris de Blasio. Yeah, you know, uh, Coach Karsich, I, I always miss the trivia question. I think I'm one for about – no, I think I'm three for about 129, something like that. You know, I think it's – pretty good percentage that, that's a pretty good baseball percentage right is that no yeah now i'll tell you what he, he's got to start start asking you some south carolina trivia questions you might get them uh, yeah. i do no we have south carolina coaches on i ask him questions too sometimes yeah and those are the three that he got yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's right that's right, that's right. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling teamed up on here but that's okay that's all right no it's fine mm-hmm. uh you know uh, yeah um Coach, you, you, we, you, you've already told us about some some great moments. Um, tell us some more. I think you're a, you're a heck of a storyteller. So, what else do you have in terms of of great games, great moments, great moments with kids? I I I, I got so many bad ones. I don't want to share those. You get the five <laughs> overtime loss, uh, five five overtimes. I mean, who does that? Um, it was like Syracuse and who in that Big East game about 10, 12 <laughs> yes, years ago. Right? Yeah. They made like five or six overtimes. Nah, it was it was it was PV. It was when I was at Passaic Valley. Uh, we go up to Old Japan, and we lost in five overtimes in the semis, and they went on to beat Teaneck the next day. And, and oh, truly, wow. I truly would have believed we would have won. But you know, one of one of the big ones that sticks out to me is is being a freshman football coach at Palisades Park. Because you are, and you want to talk about low man on the totem pole. You're at Palisades Park. You're a freshman coach. You're the only coach. <laughs> I, there's, there's me and, and we got a couple of bags there. Okay, so there's me and 13 kids. We traveled to Rutherford, and now Rutherford at that was a BCSL national. I don't even know if you remember that back in like 1995. Coach. I do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was. You know, it was before the NJIC, before all this, and Rutherford dominated. They just dominated everything. So I bring 13 kids to a freshman game on uh, on a Friday. And it's me and those 
was 13 kids. We have no fans at all. On the other side is probably about 30 something kids for Rutherford, a hundred couple people in, in the stands. And then by the end of the game, the, the varsity and the JV are done with practice. So they have every coach, they have a hundred players, they have a couple hundred people in the stands and it's me and 13 freshman players at Rutherford. And somehow we end up, you know, holding on to beat them. And we got, we got a, a, some penalty and I'm yelling at the ref. I go, are you kidding me? It's 13 against 300. It can't be 13 against 301. You can't do this to us. <clears throat> so he yells at me to shut up. And the other sideline judge comes up and goes, well, that's one of the best lines I've ever heard. I, I'm Don't worry. It, you will not be, this ain't going to happen again. I won't let it happen again. And, and we pulled it out. Like that's just, it was literally 14 against 400. It was, it was great. You know, you get to rally the kids a little bit and, you know, I'm sitting there telling them we can do this. And I'm sitting there in my head going, there's no way we're going to do this. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> 13 kids. I'm going. So that was, that was, that was a great memory. Who were those officials? Do you remember any of them? And if I, I did remember, I, would, I, did. I wouldn't throw them under the bus, right? Someone who doesn't know how to co- use a computer, but I'm efforting <laughs> Hank Steele for the podcast. It wasn't. And I know Hank, Hank barely knows how to use a phone or a computer. It wasn't Hank Teal, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Hank would have had my back. <laughs> I've heard that name, Hank Teal, many, many a time. So what, what Wait, I'm working on. I'm to, still working on getting Hank on the podcast to, to get him on the podcast. We got we got to make that happen. We got to make that happen. You know. Yeah. Now, so, let me tell you. Listen. Coach Carson's is a great storyteller, but he's one-tenth the storyteller Hank Teal is. Well, you're absolutely right. He, <laughs> Hank is the man. Uh, I, my kids my kids who are, are sophomores now are the same age as Hank's grandson, Payne. Okay. So we grew up together playing baseball together uh, in a club. So we, we, we were at Ripken. And we, we, we were lucky enough to win Ripken. But that weekend – hanging out with Hank for, for three nights was tremendous. Oh. And then going to liver too. Uh, it was, it was great. It was, you know, hearing everything that he's got. Uh, it's Hank is the best. He's the man. <laughs> uh, I love that so much. We've talked about this on this podcast, coach. I don't know if you can relate to this, but whether it's South Carolina, whether it's New Jersey or whatever state, Idaho, there are there are different type of archa, archetypes. You know, there's a Hank Teal in Idaho. There's one in South Carolina. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, we were up in uh, when I got to come to New Jersey back in June and have a little uh, little hangout session with a former podcast host that was uh, a coach over in the corner, just holding court, just like one would do down in South Carolina. It's just it's just basketball and it's just people and. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of fun personalities all over this country, all over this world, as we've as we've talked about on this podcast. So. It really, it just sports is just it. It's great. It, it just pulls everybody together. And yeah, again, another one I just thought of just now, as you you mentioned all that, is when 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 we were down in Ripken. I think it was our first game. We're playing a team from right outside of Pittsburgh. Now we we're a club team, and we are real, real good. We end up winning that tournament down there. And this is a club team who just, you know, the parents put together the money and they, and they come down because it's Rick and all they want to do is have a good time. And it's like 19, nothing in the first inning. We're, we're beating them. Uh, a couple of their kids are crying and like, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching third. I'm going, I'm really sorry. 
I, pr- I promise we won't score anymore. And like, you know, whatever the score ended up being, it ended up being, but we, we put down and we were real nice to the kids and we went over and made sure to high five. Okay, guys, you're going to do great. And then like the next night we're hanging out and, and these, the parents from that team kind of go, come over and go, Hey, you're the third base coach from that, that glory team, right? Yeah. Like, thank you so much. Like our kids now, they can't wait to play the next day. And like, like that made me feel better than, you know, almost probably winning any, any championship or anything else. Like, it was just like, like, no, it's about the kids. They're 11 years old. You know, we're not here to embarrass anybody. We just had a real, just happened to have a real good team. And, you know, it was the, the fact that they, you know, they, they, Hey, yeah, we'll buy you a drink or whatever. It was just the fact that they didn't look at you and go, Oh, you're that guy. You know, you just the fact that you're not that guy. That was, I remember that was one of the best feelings I ever had as a coach as well. Yeah, I, I think there's a fine line here. Story like that, there's a fine line between being all about your kids, coaching your kids hard, and trying to get the best out of them, and crossing over into doing all that, and then rubbing it in your opponent's face. You know, it, it doesn't have to be that second part. And I see it. No, it's exactly. all, it's all over this country, all over the world. But you know again, kind of talking about flipping this switch in my own coaching is just, Hey, how can I just better my kids, get the best out of yeah. my kids and then yes. let the rest of it go. Cause there, to me, there's no other, there's no place for the, we're going to, we're going to, I just, it just drives me crazy. Just, just play the game. I used to tell my kids, just shut up and play y'all. That's all we got to do. Just shut up and play, you know? And that's it. We, we've all been on the wrong side of those games too. You know, like, <laughs> been under 63 to 15 i remember losing as a jv coach at westwood i don't ever want to do that <laughs> <laughs> 63 to 15 still remember that one yep mm-hmm. so my last literally game i lost 32 to 4 <laughs> <laughs> and that's it those are memories that you don't want kids to have you know so i don't know mnc vending beat us brian <laughs> well coach this has been this has been a lot of fun you know we like to uh we like to end on a on a fun question and uh you know you've been you've been coaching a, a good a good bit of time uh we have to assume that the kids that you've coached have a rob carsage impersonation so um in that light if we asked you what is one phrase or one saying or maybe even one word that you found yourself repeating over and over and over again as a coach over the course of your career, what do you think that would be? Maybe maybe one of those things that they throw out there in that Rob Carsage impersonation. You know what's funny is I honestly can't think of something. The reason is because I've heard so many from my players that I try to avoid doing that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I know the one thing I say is fellas all the time. Hey, come on, fellas. Hey, you know, let's go, fellas. Maybe that, but my kids, you know, who are not, they repeat all the time. And then you get when during basketball season, they start repeating the football coach and they start repeating the bet, the baseball coach. Right. So I, I want to make sure that I'm not being that guy repeated. So I, I really, I, I, that is, it's, it's, comical that you bring that up and i i consciously try to avoid being that guy <laughs> that's really good that's a good answer but we do we do all say it right you probably say fellas 400 more times than you even think you do 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is the one phrase that I can't stop saying. Yeah, fellas, <laughs> hey, come on, fellas, let's go. <laughs> you know, I, and anything other than that, I really try to avoid all the all all the cliches and all that other stuff, and I try to to change it up, but. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wow. believe you. Like, there's a million questions you could ask, and for you to ask that one that I li- I consciously try to avoid. It's pretty fun. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna add Westwood High School to the the greatest games podcast roundup. When I come up to New Jersey, I'm gonna stop by and see a game. I'm gonna be sitting behind your bench with a notepad and just writing down how many words I hear, putting tick marks, and seeing which one I can come up with. Uh, that's, that's gonna be your top word. But uh, you, can't, you can't sit. You can't sit behind the Westwood bench. They make everyone sit on the other side. Oh well, maybe if I tell them I'm a podcast host. Here's maybe the problem. It's, oh, listen, you know, I'm making exception for him. <laughs> Absolutely, he can sit right behind. Me. No problem. There's an annoying clock operator usually at the games. <laughs> It looks kind of like this. Uh, oh, <laughs> boy. That, uh, the great golf coach up there, huh? That's, uh, <laughs> gotcha. I gotcha. Well, Coach Carson, this has been a lot of fun. We we really appreciate you coming on the show. We, this, has, this, has been, this has been great. It was great. I really I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, we will go ahead and put a button on this one. And for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I'm Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.